Critical Blast. Where pop culture gets blasted. Ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, let's get ready to crowdfund. Yes, I have to do that because apparently tonight is WrestleMania, and who in their right mind would schedule a podcast against something three million people in the country are going to be watching right now? That would be me. I am RJ Carter, Senior Managing Editor here at CriticalBlast.com, where pop culture gets blasted, and we are talking once more tonight about independent comics that get crowdfunded uh, to great acclaim and don't make it into your retail stores maybe necessarily, but definitely have some huge fan followings. And none of them are any bigger, uh, except maybe for that green guy. He gets, he's getting also top billing, but none of them are any bigger than the six gun toting gorilla, uh, six gun gorilla and his creator, Brian Criscow. Brian, how are you tonight? I'm good, man. I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. I, I am digging that. I'm digging that famous monster shirt, man. You a big monster fan from way back? Oh, oh, I'm a, uh, I'm a uh, like a monster kid to the core. I caught on to like the very, very tail end of like the monster culture boom, you know, like in the '70s when uh, it was like the very tail end where you could still get like the Aurora monster model kits, famous monsters of film land was still being printed. There was another magazine called castle of Frankenstein. I was very fond of, which unfortunately got canceled. And I had an older brother that, that, that read uh, comics and Marvel of course was, was uh, doing their, their monster comics, tomb of Dracula, monster of Frankenstein, werewolf by night, Morbius, the living vampire, which was the thing that actually originally drew me to comic books was, were the monster comics. You know, I saw them on the spinner racks. and was like, Frankenstein, Dracula, yeah. <laughs> werewolf. Oh, hell yeah. And then when they did the, uh, the black and white magazine versions of them, <sighs> there was even gorier and they could do, that was mature comics before there were mature comics. Yep. I think. Absolutely. And those are incredibly beautifully drawn. They are. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful black and white art. Yeah, like um, uh, where creatures roam. I'm trying to remember. Uh, I'm blanking out on like the major one, the major Marvel monster magazine that well, was. Uh, they did a Tomb of Dracula, I know, or they, or they did a Dracula magazine, but they also did one that was just like. Uh, uh, monsters in general. If anybody in the chat can like uh, remind me what the hell heck that was called, I'll, I'll have to Google that because when I when I think of the ones that I had, uh, you know, I was I was a teenager at the time, and uh, I, I remember the Punisher, and he got to be a lot more grittier in, in those com- in those magazines than uh, than in the comics. And I remember Howard the Duck, and Howard the Duck always stuck with me because it was like. Uh, oh, Monsters Unleashed. Look at that with Pop Culture Avengers. There it is. Uh, is That's on what I'm the talking ball. about. Uh, but yeah, Howard the Duck smacked me in the face because I got to like the end of the first uh, issue and like suddenly he's in bed with uh, Beverly and it's like there was boobage. And I was like, yes. I I'm know. Like, I was like 14. <laughs> I'm like, can they do that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah they could because uh the black and white magazines weren't subject to the comics code and it's interesting you mentioned that because that drove uh the creator of howard the duck uh steve gerber crazy he did not like that at all he wanted that aspect of their relationship to be a mystery and howard the duck's one of those interesting characters where nobody could could really write that character accurately or well except steve gerber because howard was really sort of like his alter ego okay you know there's certain characters yeah. that like anybody can write i'm not not anybody but there's certain characters that lend that lend themselves more easily to uh other authors playing with them conan the barbarian uh tarzan the ape man uh zorro a, a lot of those characters but uh howard was so idiosyncratic 
that um yeah like uh, that the uh howard the duck magazine i think that only lasted maybe about uh eight issues yeah, it didn't uh, run I, I would know because i have them all well yeah of course <laughs> um and, and they did uh what they, they did that one um man god i remember that uh which was just an ad- adaptation of um uh gladiator uh by the, and the author's name escapes me now, and I shouldn't because I use it all the time. But uh, and, and then they did one. They did one that was just like a collection of science fiction weird stories, and it might have even been a backup in Man God. Uh, the one that I can remember was uh, Eke Homo, uh, where it's it's the guy who invents a time machine, and he he goes back to prove that everything that happened to Christ really happened to Christ, and. And 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 it, he finds out he didn't exist, so he becomes the character and, and takes on the mission all the way down to you know on the cross. And, right. Yeah, and and the last words he says were, um, in, instead of Eli Eli Lama Sakbath and I, uh, was misinterpreted. He was saying a lie, a lie. It's all been a lie. <laughs> oh wow! And I was like, yeah, you couldn't get. Yeah, oh my god. I mean, I, you could imagine how many heads that would make explode uh, today. Oh, I know. It was like the most blasphemous thing. I'm like, can I? But, am I going to get struck for reading this? But but you see, that's the thing. Back then, comic books, all the way up until just a few years ago, were a creative bubble. That's to say, the only people that knew what was going on were the people that were making the comics and the people that were reading them, so they could get away with murder. And because there was nobody was paying attention, Hollywood wasn't paying attention. Uh, yeah. You know the censorship advocates. No, they were Marvel, DC, all those, all those um, uh, comic book uh, uh, publishers. Aside from you know there, there was that little uh, boom in the speculator market in in the nineties, which when it crashed almost took the entire industry with it. Yeah. But regular people just had no clue whatsoever. We, we had- we had some television movies slash series about your top tier flagship characters, the Hulk, Wonder Woman, uh, the George Reeves, Superman, Adam West, Batman. Yep. But there wasn't this, you know, come to the movie every three months for a new comic book uh, blockbuster kind of deal. Nobody knew, nobody cared. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and yeah, pop culture Avenger uh, said, so, so, yeah, um, I really enjoyed the uh, eerie and creepy mags, which were published by Warren, uh, yep. which, published Vampirella and I will go out on a limb and I will die on this hill that no publisher to date has been able to do Vampirella nearly as well as those original black and white Warren magazines. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. Yeah. And it just, I'm sorry, but I just had to, oh. I, I had to represent here. That is, how much is that? Is that like 80 pounds or something? No, no, no. It's, oh, it's, oh. It, it's a uh, it's a nice light frame, but a friend of me, a friend of mine, knows that I'm a big Warren fiend and picked this up for me at a uh, at a convention. So. I did not have the depth perspective when you held that up. I thought that was an oversized omnibus. <laughs> oh man, that would be really oversized. <laughs> I was like, that's a damn coffee table book. Oh yeah, would weigh like a ton. Oh my god, and, and I, I think, love love those omnibus editions. They're 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 just such a treat. And I think that Vampirella and Eerie and Creepy, Unc- Uncle Eerie and Cousin Creepy, uh, interacted at some it point, is, but yeah. it might have just been at an advertising level. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think they, I don't think they. It's not like they had like a, a creepy eerie crossover. I mean, somebody no. in the peanut gallery, you know, you know, by all means, uh, edify us if, if we're wrong about that. But yeah, I remember those very, very well. And then there were the ripoffs of the Warren magazines, which were oh god, it was called uh, Eerie Press. Oh, that's that that's definitely ripoff. Uh, right and these were really really trashy and they had the busiest covers you've ever seen in your life completely outrageous they're fascinating i actually have a hardcover edition of 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 some of these and so on the cover you'd have like a werewolf with like a wooden stake in its heart and uh and like uh, a vampire like uh, uh doing witchcraft or something like that 
and a woman like you know strapped to a slab with like ants crawling all over her and they were just completely insane and completely outrageous holy cow yeah i, I had not seen those uh one that i do remember and i'm surprised that nobody's really doing anything with it because i think it would be a really fun concept to play with um same publisher warren was uh the rook oh yeah yeah howard chaykin actually was, yeah yeah and that yeah, was, the, you know, yeah the rook was great and I, I didn't know I was too young to get what a rook was until I started playing chess in high school. I'm like, oh, me too. Me <laughs> he, too. Can, he, can, he can swap places because uh, yeah. he could castle with somebody else in the universe. And he could just, you know, pop. He, he was a teleporter. Yep. Uh, but he had these, uh, you know, like like a Han Solo treasure hunt kind of deal going on all the time. I didn't yep. think it was a heck of a fun thing to do. A pop culture Avenger thought that was an artist edition book, too. So <laughs> you, you <laughs> oh brought it on God. camera, just the right front facing thing. Oh, um, and, and if you're at uh, Harris Publish Publications, um, you've just seen two instances that there's demand for such a thing if you were to put one out. <laughs> right. Well, there'd be somebody, you know, but you can imagine how much that, that would cost. But there's always a collector's market. Oh, yeah. And I my goodness, you know, the uh, omnibus editions are fantastic. They cost they cost a pretty penny. Of course, but there's some of them you just you just got to have. Yeah, my uh, my local comic shop guy, Dave Dyer, Cosmic Comics, Belleville, Illinois, um, huge into the famous monsters of Filmland. He's got like, you know, he's, he's got a mannequin with like the Halloween Frankenstein rubber band face on there. He sells the oh. he sells the old Halloween town uh, costumes in the box. Oh, wow. Um, the, yeah, you, you remember oh, I those. had those, man. Like my very, the very first in kindergarten, my costume was the creature from the Black Lagoon, and it was one of those masks. Yes. But the costume was so whack that my mother was like, "I could do better than that," and she sewed me a full body, um, uh, Gilman costume. Oh, that's a yeah. good mom. And you know, put like a cowl on the on the back of the mask and everything. And I still have that somewhere in uh in in a in a, in a trunk upstairs. And still look at it and say, God, I wish I could get in that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Seriously, you know, there's uh, that's the thing. If you're a monster kid, you're a monster kid for life. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's, he's got the uh, the cardboard cutout stand up of Vampirella doing the whole, you know, her arms are out kind of thing, uh, with He's got a spinner rack with famous monsters of Filmland and uh, Fangoria and issues like that in it. So, oh, God bless him! God, bl God bless him! Uh, I've got a, like a, a pretty hefty uh, Fangoria uh, collection. Uh, actually, uh, got uh, sent to the principal for bringing uh, issue number <laughs> two. I think it was uh, which had Lucio Fulci's zombie on the cover. Oh man. And because I would always bring my monster magazines and my comics and, and stuff to read before yeah. class. And uh, my art teacher uh, saw the cover, you know, of this zombie with a, a hollow eye socket with worms crawling out of it. Although I think what really got her were like the bold letters. We are going to eat you. She was like, go to the principal's office. And so I did, and the principal just sort of shrugged, and uh, arranged an appointment for the for the for, for me with the guidance counselor. And she asked me, uh, Brian, couldn't you at least try to be more normal? <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's like, oh, honey, you just really, really don't understand my condition at all. <laughs> one of these days you will go back to the high school to do a, 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 a one of those career day presentations to the art class and you're going to bring up six gun gorilla and say this is what not being normal can get you um yeah well, speaking of home <laughs> we should probably start talking about that a little bit if you feel like it, you know, uh, whenever I go on a stream, yeah, uh, you know, I go on to uh, pimp my comics, but it's all. Oh, it's always great just to shoot the shit and uh, absolutely, and just and just have fun. Yep, that's well, a sign in the sign up page right there. Yeah, you know, and everybody, you know what to do here. You come in here, you go blast. Well, you don't do this one. You put your own in there. I do my Gmail address because it's just a little bit faster. And I say I agree, and I sign up. And now you're in. That's all you got to do. 
except you got to confirm it if it's your first time ever. So right. make, sure, make sure you confirm, check your mail, and then say, yes, I really got it. Yes, I really meant to. And normally when you do this for a campaign, it means that you're going to get a little something, something that people who start on day one don't get. And, and Brian, in this case, can you tell us what that's going to be? I have no idea. <laughs> it's going to be something cool. It's going to be something cool. Mind you, I had set this page up like months ago. Unfortunately, uh, the my uh, artist on this, the great uh, Preston Acevedo, uh, the creator of Doc Salem, uh, was just too swamped with work and prior engagements to uh, start work on this. And so it actually expired. And I had to I had to set up a new page. So um, and I didn't get the uh, I didn't grab the addresses or the emails of all the people that had signed up. So I'm going to make sure that what you know whatever was going to go in there like a free trading card, everybody's going to get that. But but also people that sign up for this are also going to are going to get something different. We're going to have you see I, I normally don't do swag. Most of my campaigns. Uh, really, well, this is the third. Um, my previous two campaigns, I always try to stick with McDonald's menu, right? Burger and yeah. fries, uh, you know, like just just the comic books. You can get them. You know, I was selling uh, the first six issues in the trade paperback. I'm not doing that this this time because it's too confusing. Um, I I find that. People when they would would go on the on the website, they'd be like, okay, well, why is one comic twenty five dollars and the other one is like ten or fifteen? It's like, well, because the one is like six issues, but yes. but people are going to be able because this is going to be for the eighth issue, which is called Cemetery Without Crosses, but people are going to be able to get the previous seven issues uh, a la carte. Uh, that's to say, if they if you just want to get issue one, you can just get issue one, or if you just want to get the first two or three issues, you can do that. Uh, or uh, they'll be able to get all eight issues uh, at, at like at a uh, discounted price. Yeah, I think the uh, the add-on capability that you know now Kickstarter is doing the same thing is going to be a paradigm shift in the crowdfunding setup because it used to be that you'd see people. To come up with every permutation possible. So, you know, it was like, you know, five times four times three times two. That's how many tiers were going to be there. Uh, and now it's just like, here's the book. And then yeah. you say, give me the book. And then you're like, hey, you can also get this or this or this and this and this. Just throw in what you want. Make it a shopping cart. Right. Uh, that's the that, that's the that's the plan uh, uh, for this campaign, and this is going to be a living campaign, which is to say that as the campaign progressives progresses, I'm going to be adding more and more stuff. There is going to uh, be bookmarks. There's going to be patches. There's going to be stickers. There's going to be a figurine. Ooh. Yes, and um, actually, you know, if you can check out the preview page because i haven't finished actually building the uh the uh campaign it's not live yet uh the campaign pain the campaign page is still uh under construction but i am adding more and more stuff and people aren't gonna have to worry about you know like oh maybe i shouldn't uh back this book now maybe i should wait until there's more stuff you don't have to worry about that because everybody's going, going to get most of that stuff. The, uh, the figurine, that's going to be a very limited edition. But people are going to be able to get that as an add-on or uh, be able to purchase it uh, on its own. Are you talking like a 3D print now or are you going through an action yes. figure company? No, uh, I, I'm going through uh, my friend, the, uh, the uh, infamous Blue Muppet, uh, George Peter Gatsis. I send people to him all the time to do 3D prints. So yes, you picked a good, good person there. I didn't pick him. He picked me. He actually just like volunteered, and I was just like, uh, uh, sure, <laughs> like heck yeah. <laughs> and what's going to be crazy about this figurine is that uh, it's going to be modular. That's to say. The hat's going to come off. The poncho's going to come off. That He's going to do be... that whole magnet thing, isn't he? Dude, <laughs> dude. 
he's going the arms are going to be attached with magnets and you're going to be able to swap out the arms so the, the like you know the standard set of arms are going to be the big gorilla arms holding the gigantic uh six guns right right but you're going to be able to pop those off and attach the arms that are holding a gatling gun so that's george that's <laughs> the man's a genius man he, he and everybody go he is he is and everybody go go check out uh his campaign for joe king 2 right now yes because the man is on fire it, it, i have actually signed up for the campaign uh purchased into it and i'm going to get like a, a two-foot 3d print of the spaceship that's in his story and that he showed that thing to me like a year ago when he was still talking about setting up i was like i'm signing up on the mailing list now i want that ship yeah man i haven't read the first book and i want that ship yeah 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 his books are really uh are uh are really wonderful well, i mean i've only seen the one that he's put out and and it's and it's really wonderful but that's the thing it's like you know i like to stick to the mcdonald's menu but now it's swag wars swag wars is on like donkey kong well you know and and you're in a position now where it makes sense for you to start playing in that arena uh i tell yes. a lot of people who do the, the their first campaign and like like they t-shirts and hats i'm like dude nobody knows your character enough to care about it no one loves it as much as you do Right. If you want to put anything on your first campaign other than the book, put in stickers and put in stickers of the logo, not of your character. Right. Uh, because that people can read the logo, people can Google the logo, uh, and and find out. You know, six gun gorilla. What's that? I'll find out when I get home. Right. What are you What are you digging out there now? Oh well, some of the some of the swag that uh, comes out with comics these days. Uh, the guy that really stepped the swag thing up another level is uh, Phil Diaz, you know, of uh, Los Bros uh, Diaz fame. Here I am pimping other people's books. Uh, the Lost Pages. He just went completely overboard. I'm just using this as, like, an example. Uh, bookmarks, masks... Uh, this is like a, like a 3D, like, or like a, a box head. A blockhead, yeah. A blockhead. Um, and then like these beautiful trading cards. Oh, they're falling yep. out. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> yeah, held it upside down. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, re I really hate people like Phil because they force me to take things to another level. You know, it's, it's like, damn you. It's like... My book now. Now when I just get a get a book in the mail and it's just a book, I'm like, where's all that extra crap? I, I want my sticker at least. At the very least. sticker at least, right? So my, my, I, I've got my back of my laptop case here is loaded. I'm, I'm going to start working on the back of my bigger monitor now and uh, and you know covering it up. Hey, pops uh, is in the chat. Pops man, Zant. Welcome. Oh, what to up, the chat. what up, pops? Good to see you, man. Um. And my friend, my friend Shay uh, from uh, Red Valkyrie, patches. <laughs> she, I, I, it's actually in the in the in the, uh, in the uh, campaign page. It says, you know, we're going to be doing this, we're going to be doing that, we're going to we're going to be doing patches because Shay needs her patch, yes. right? So she needs patches. She's, yeah, she's, so, she's the patch girl of comics. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, you know the, the and here's the thing: when you have people that are stepping things up and taking it to another level it's intensely annoying for fellow creator for their fellow creators people like me but who benefits the backers benefit yes they do right the readers benefit well and, and that's what it's all about i keep i keep try, i keep pushing my other projects i don't have any crowdfunding projects my projects are i spend other people's money brian okay. um I, I basically get you guys on the show and say you should do this uh, and then I'll end up buying it from it. Uh, but <laughs> but there, there's two things that people haven't done. And, you know, especially when you see all the stuff they are doing and you want to come up with something new. Uh, I'm like, well, nobody's done color forms yet. Uh, right. So, right. <laughs> if you if you did like color forms of your characters in a little in a little battle scene and you could like put them on there and take them off and put them aside. Oh, man. The guy who needs to do that, he hasn't launched this campaign yet, is uh, Mark Marianelli, a.k.a. Uh, 6 a.m. Comics. You know, oh, he did yeah. these beautiful little illustrations of um, of like everybody's characters. Everyone, everyone, 
this is like the Guernica of like the indie comics scene. It's it it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And so, uh, for, like for the last campaign, I was like, dude, can I like take this illustration and turn it into a sticker? He was like, heck yeah. I think and, everybody's done that. Yeah, everybody. Yeah, and now everybody's done that, which is awesome. Um, but uh, what was I gonna say? But uh, yeah, no. Um, I keep thinking like, dude, you should release that illustration with you know with all of his illustrations just thrown on there of everybody's characters as like a color form set that would that would be that, fun that would be really fun and and the other thing because because you held up the trading card set and i i keep seeing you know people saying hey we're gonna release nine trading cards or six trading cards and, and i keep telling everybody no one's doing it right no one is doing trading cards right you, you you're talking about all the titles that i grew up reading i think we're probably falling into the same age group here uh you remember the 90s Fleer cards, how you'd you know, chase them down and you'd put them in your nine card holders and you hold a whole book of them. And when one got filled, it was one big battle scene with nine characters. I said, right. you need nine separate campaigns run by nine separate people and nine separate characters and one artist. And you all get together and you just say, hey, you know, Preston Acevedo, would you draw like all nine of our characters in a battle on a grid? And then you all put your own card in your own campaign and say, hey, by the way, this makes a puzzle picture if you get the other eight cards from these campaigns. Oh, that's now genius. Got, everyone's pushing everybody else's campaign. Right. Uh, that's genius, man. I love that. Because, you know, a thousand people are going to get in on Six Gun Gorilla because everyone loves Six Gun Gorilla. But, you know, maybe they won't get into, you know, um, you know, some of the smaller books or some of the, some Dink, of the people. Orange Inkman guy, yeah. Right, right. Because right now the um, the, the scene is, is very busy. There's a lot of new creators, which is great. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I try to do with that other, uh, that, uh, you know, a lot of my friends in the scene try to do is uh, nurture new talent. Actually, I haven't really, been, I shouldn't include myself in that book. I've been kind of off doing my own stuff but you know i know quite a few people like preston uh like uh simon Simpoitier, who really will reach out to people that are have campaigns that maybe nobody's seeing their book exactly or they're just starting or maybe their art isn't like up to snuff just yet but you can tell there's potential they're going to get there eventually um because if you look at the mainstream comic book industry, it's very backstabby. Yes. And it's getting, you know, the pie is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. So uh, the infighting and the backstabbing and the cutthroat behavior just gets more and more vicious, more and more awful. And in this scene, this indie comics creator scene, we are the exact opposite. We Everyone's elevate. helping everybody. Everybody's helping everybody. It's, it's, it's weird. I People in the chat get tired of hearing this because uh, I, I use this example all the freaking time. But I'm like, you know, can you imagine being, you know, in the in the D.C. offices in the late 60s, uh, Julie Schwartz's office, whatever floor he was on, and the phone rings and he picks it up and it's like, Julie, it's Stan. Hey, I'm getting ready to launch this Spider-Man thing. And we were just wondering if we could get some tips on how to, Hello? Hello? <laughs> Julie Julie Swartz was evidently uh, a real uh, sweetheart. Um, oh, I got yeah, to right. know Denny O'Neill a little bit, and uh, he, uh, you know, just—he's like one of those guys you never hear anything but awesome things. Like he was—he was very, uh, very dearly loved. And wasn't he the guy who said, like, "Hey, if you put a gorilla on the cover of a comic, it'll it'll sell better." There, there were three three things that sold comics. Yeah, uh, and 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 this was this. It was a gorilla, yeah, a woman crying, yeah, something purple. <laughs> yeah, I think I remember that really. And, and I forgot why, that third one. Yeah, and that's why in uh, Alan Moore's Promethea comics, uh, you always saw in the background the billboard for this comic book company called uh, I think it was Weeping Gorilla Co Weeping Gorilla Comics, and it was always just this purple female gorilla crying with a thought bubble about you know some like romance <laughs> yeah. comics like. Why won't they ever love me for me? Or oh. how will I ever become a better person? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because it was like everything would sell. <laughs> yep, yep. 
And yet, you know, so much creativity came out of those comics. And, yeah. um, my God, uh, the comic books that are coming out from the mainstream right now, they just lack sincerity. They lack heart. Well, they're, they're very cynical about the business now. They know they're just keeping an IP alive. That's it. That's it. And the comic books are promotional material for the movies and yeah. the Funko Pop heads. Oh. Fuck, I hate those things, those Funko Pop heads. They, they oh. made everything. Everything can be a Funko Pop head now. I know. Um, I know. And, you know, but that's that's where the money is. And people eat those things up. You know, you and I come from an era where being a geek, you paid a very, very hefty social toll for that. And now it's actually cool. Yeah. Which is surreal. If you told me when I was 15 years old that, you know, that uh, there'd be a TV show called The uh, 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 Big Bang Theory that would make being a geek cool, or that there would be a TV show called Stranger Things that would, like, make Dungeons and Dragons cool. Yes. I would have told you that you were, like, high on mushrooms or something. It's never going to be cool. It's fun, and I'd watch it, but it's not cool. Right, uh, but, right. But yeah, the Funko Pops, I have three Funko Pops at home, and I'm, I'm, I would bet anything that my three Funko Pops are unlike any other Funko Pop anyone else has ever bought um, uh -huh. because, because they're opened. Um, oh, right. Yeah, that's the other thing. Yeah. <laughs> and, you see, they're, they're any toys? On the shelf. Toys are meant because sometimes I'll get because I don't buy a lot of toys because I have already like way too many. First of all, I, I, I can't afford to spend money on that uh, on that sort of sort, sort of stuff right now. Uh, but, you know, I've got boxes and boxes and boxes, especially of monster toys. So I'll only buy things when I feel like, oh, I've got to have that. You know, that's my rule is the I'll only buy it if like I absolutely have to, you know, like this is a very nice Frankenstein monster right here. Oh, sweet. So one, of, one, of, one of the one of the mezcos. This is just this is just stuff I have hanging out on my uh, on my desk, you know, in my in my uh, in my in my workspace. I paid. What about. Forty for this bub from day of the dead nice. <laughs> his, his little dioramas falling down and everything but um you know it's the funko pop heads it's i i, I mean i don't see the the appeal and it's depressing <laughs> it's depre it's depressing going to like a con convention back when we still could go to conventions and just seeing like the vendors areas and there's just like walls and walls and walls of these of these things but yeah you know people are the vendors are going to sell uh you know what sells obviously yeah i went to conventions in the 80s uh in chicago and i've gone again to conventions in st louis you know in the past you know five years and and you know what's missing there's yeah. no there's no dc booth there's no marvel booth there's that you know they, they go to san diego they go to c2e2 and they go to new york and other than that, you will not see your creators anywhere. We use, and you used to be able to just walk up to them. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the other thing and I, that I think is so incredibly special about this scene that I am blessed and uh, privileged to be part of. Um, our readers, our fans, our backers get direct access to us. Yeah. If somebody doesn't get their book... And this always happens, right? You sell like 400 books. Guess what? At least two or three of them, maybe more, are either never going to reach their destination or get like arrive like all jacked up and uh, beat beat to hell. Yeah, it's a nightmare to think about that that's going to happen. Yeah. Especially for a guy who does distribution of these books. I'm like, please let them all get there in good shape. Exactly. But... If that happens, the uh, customer, the backer, is going to be able to contact me directly and be like, dude, I didn't get my book. Or, oh, the worst was when somebody got a empty um, Gemini mailer. Oh, 
Uh, oops. <laughs> and I didn't mail that thing empty. I guarantee you, okay? Somebody, like, must have, like, reached in or cut it open and just, like, pulled the book out, right? But imagine it's just like, oh, cool, I got my comic. Wait, this feels a little light. And then, <laughs> and then opening it up and there's, like, nothing in there. Like, oh! But, yeah, that would, that would definitely suck. Oh, my God! You, right? So when something like that happens... I can be like, my apologies, I'll, I'll rectify the situation, I'll send you a new book, and I'll throw in like a little something extra. Yeah. You know, like a convention flyer, or like a floppy, or something to compensate you for uh, for the wait. For the disappointment, sure. Uh, yeah, and that, and, and that feels good. And it's, you know... People can't do that with Dan Slott. They can't do that with Donny Cates. They can't do that with Mark Wade, certainly. Well, well that's right? because their their customer is the publisher, and and the, exactly. the publisher their customer is Diamond, and then Diamond their customer is the retailer, and the retailer is the one who gets stuck with everything. Uh, but you know, well, well, not the Diamond retailer, any longer. But yeah. Oh man, I don't know what's going to happen to Diamond uh, now. I mean, uh, they're they're like you know. Well, you know, we can still get them from Penguin and, and distribute them. I'm like, yeah, and the retailer can go to Penguin and get them for no shipping charge. Yes, so they're done. They're done. It's it's over. It's over. Uh, and I always knew that eventually it would because everybody hates them. And it's just like when you've built up that kind of antipathy. Guess what? People are going to be happy to say Sayonara. Yes. The only, the only comic book distributor that's going to be standing standing at the end of all this is going to be Critical Blast Logistics. Uh, there you go. Because <laughs> we're going to start calling comic shops. Once we start sending out all these crowdfunded books that come into us, uh, largely overseas stuff that we're going to ship cheaper. Uh, oh, there oh, it is, man. Dude, there it is. Dude, if that... you haven't seen the company men from uh, Kimasabi, uh, yeah. that's coming from Australia. The shipping on that is $12. Uh because he's drop shipping it here and we're distributing it rather than one book at a time from Australia when it would, when it would be 25. So we've been talking about this, you know, in the back rooms and the chats and everything for ages. Like I hate having to charge somebody in Australia $25 for shipping. Yeah. We're working on that too. We're working on the other direction. I just got to get agents in place and it'll be the oh. same thing. It'll be like, you know, Hey, they're all boxed up, drop shipped them off. Here's the money. Print the labels, put them on, and mail them local. And you know, here's some money for your doing your job. Um, yeah, twelve dollars. It's just like okay, that's a little ouch, but it's not so yeah. big of an ouch that I'm going to be like, oh, I can't afford to back this. Yeah, exactly. When it costs more than the book, that's when you really have to opt yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. You know, I all of us are just are just annoyed by that, and you know. Dude, if you could pull that off, you will be a saint <laughs> in this community, let me tell you. And the other part of that is, you know, that when I get the drop shipments, I'm saying, you know, overship because, hey, trucks are going to run over books. I'm going to have to replace them. But also, I'm going to call up comic shops and say, hey, I've got uh, excess copies here in stock of The Company Men and Six Gun Gorilla and uh, whatever have you here. Uh, and you can buy them directly from us for your store and put them on shelves. And as much as we all say that retailers are done and we're bypassing the shelves, what creator out there among crowdfunding would not want to see their book on the shelf in a comic shop next to Superman and Spider-Man? And, and, and you know, they'll, they'll be able to get them all in one box, one shipping charge for as many books of different titles as you want. Um, yeah, and that's called distributing <laughs> beautiful beautiful and yeah that is part of the dream is seeing your book on the shelf playing with the big boys and it's frustrating well i don't know though if i'd say that it's that frustrating but there's definitely a feeling of injustice that our books by and large would blow their books off the shelves yeah if, if they could just be seen next to each other so yeah. that the choice could be made uh, they yeah. definitely would because yeah. the, the quality in crowdfunding is, is insane. Um, it is. It is. And, and speaking of quality, Six Gun Gorilla has been uh, one of these books that's always visually appealing to me every time I see it. By the way, before I go any further, Pop Culture Avenger wants to know what the two movie oh. posters are behind you. Oh, uh, the one on the right is uh, The Raven 
by uh, Roger Corman, and the one next to it is Night Train to Terror, Ooh. which is uh, really obscure and uh, it's a little bit of a non sequitur, but uh, I was on a stream where somebody went, is that a Night Train to Terror poster behind you? I was like, <laughs> no, no, there's no way that you recognize that. It turned out that he knew the guy that is probably the world's only Night Train to Terror, like, super fan. <laughs> and so he'd seen that poster, like, in his friend's house. And so he just, like, recognized it, but it, like, completely discombobulated me for the rest of the stream. <laughs> some, some, I'm not cool anymore. Somebody recognizes my very esoteric... <laughs> well, uh, that was a gift. In my defense, that was a gift from uh, from a uh, fellow horror fiend, uh, a, friend, a, a very good uh, friend of mine. But, okay. yeah. Well, I, I, I need to get some background here on this gorilla, uh, because... I don't know anything about him. I know no, I know I don't know why he's got six guns. Are, are six guns on it? I said six guns. He's got two guns. Um, I, well, I, I don't know if it's in Old West or if he's in the far future because pictures kind of give me different opinions. Uh, so so elevator pitch me the six gun gorilla. A very big ape with very big guns blowing very big holes in very bad people. I like it. <laughs> it's a revenge western with a gorilla. And it is a Western. It is set in the Old West, but it starts in the Congo, where a um, great white hunter type, you know, capital G, capital W, capital, capital yeah. H, uh, is going on safari. And he comes across a troop of gorillas, and he blasts them to ribbons. And so while his uh, native guides are hacking up the bodies for trophies and for bushmeat, uh, they turn over one of the females and they find a little uh, baby gorilla clinging to its mother's breast. And so the great white hunter is like, you know, like an Alan Quartermain kind of a guy. He's like, oh, like not everybody's got one of these, right? Yeah. So he <laughs> takes it with him. Uh, he's uh, on his voyage back to England he uh, is having a card game with a certain Professor Malloy. Now, Professor Malloy, the only thing that Professor Malloy is a professor of is bullshit. <laughs> he's, he's, a, he's a carnival barker. He, he, he sees this guy for the mark that he is. And uh, what happens is, is he's traveling with his... He's an Irish gentleman, you know, in, uh, in his middle age. He has a little uh, eight-year-old daughter. And she sees, like, the little baby gorilla in the cage, and she's just, like, you know, goes up to her father and, you know, tugs on his jacket and says, you know, Daddy, can I have him? And he can't say no to the, he can't say no to his little girl. Gotcha. And so he, he cheats at cards and, uh, and wins the baby gorilla. Uh, fast forward uh, about uh, 16 years. And um, Professor Malloy's frontier cir circus of frontier wonders is uh, touring in the uh, south of the Old West, and um, Kumba—that's the name of our uh, of our hero, of our six-gun gorilla. Being part of a circus family, everybody has to learn a craft. Everybody has to learn how to do something. Uh, uh, Abigail, his uh, his uh, human big sister, she's all grown up now, and she's a trick horse rider, right? And so you know she's like a uh, equestrian uh, master who can you know ride ride on horseback, standing on her feet and jumping through flaming hoops and that kind of sure. a thing. Uh, Kumba is taught how to be a trick shot artist. Now, being that he's a gorilla, of course, he has gigantic hands. Well, they're going to need gigantic guns to fill those gigantic hands. And uh, so they handcraft these, like, hand howitzers. And that are, yeah, that are like pistols that are basically the uh, size of, like, uh, of, of like a small howitzer cannon from, like, the, from the Civil War. 
and uh you know his, his act involves you know like yeah he's shooting plates out of the air but then they're launching beer kegs and they're exploding because of course he's shooting these gigantic bullets at him sure. and he's an absolute sensation then um a person falls into their life by the name of Giuliano Schmidt who is a um a uh, immigrant from Europe and also a union spy He's running from a gang of vicious cutthroat killers led by a particularly sadistic fellow named Gravesend. He gets wounded in a fight. He stows away on their uh, on their cargo wagon. They take care of him. He heals up. He leaves. But then Gravesend and his gang of killers uh, exact a terrible, terrible vengeance on um, on the on uh, Kumba's circus family, and so. He had his um, his uh, tribe, his troop, as they're called, uh, his guerrilla troop, his guerrilla family completely uh, massacred. And then he sees his uh, uh, adoptive human father uh, murdered in front of his eyes. And there's nothing he can do about it because uh, he's in a cage as, as part of his act. Yeah. And he snaps. And goes on the uh, on the vengeance trail to uh, find this guy and his men. Uh, and then, of course, that leads to a much bigger, much grander adventure. Uh, that is, uh, you know, I don't want to give, I don't want to give away uh, any spoilers. But no, don't give away the store. It's, it's pure, it's pure pulp uh, goodness. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a real big fan of, of the old pulps, especially uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs, especially Robert E. Howard. And um, everything is, you know, so many comics these days, they're very, they're always winking at you. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. they're afraid to take themselves seriously. And so I thought, I wanted to play this straight. And and, and it's paid off. People absolutely love it. Well, and I, 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 could, I couldn't be more grateful. Be and more it's one of those things, um, and, and he's not—he's not a talking gorilla, and I don't even no. think he has word bubbles of any kind. No, he doesn't. Uh, and in, a, in one issue, in issue seven, for the first time, you get a peek inside his head of what he's thinking. Okay. In, in one scene. Well, what I've noticed is, uh, and and you've been in comics long enough to see this happen. Uh, people will get the same idea roughly around the same time. Uh, and whether you can say, you know, somebody's copying somebody else, well, maybe they are, maybe they aren't, maybe they have a different idea of what to do with it. But oh boy. In, in the wake of Six Gun Gorilla, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and say, you know, hey, you know, before Six Gun Gorilla, there was Monster Mala and his machine gun uh, running around with the Brotherhood of Evil. Uh, but, you know, you've got, uh, I, everyone's talking about AR-15 orangutan. <laughs> Which was created by Mo Biggs to troll me, by the way. Yes, yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. but, but what that did was drag out this other guy um, who came on my show with his book, El Crudo. Uh, he's uh -huh. been publishing for a while, too, which is an orangutan in Vietnam. <laughs> he was, he was sold. Yeah, exactly. Ching, he, sold. He's several issues into he's four issues into his story, too, now. No so. kidding. Uh, and it's 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 some really fun stuff. And it's like, you know, here's this orangutan. He's been trained. Um, I, he was he was part of a army experiment where they were training like other primates or, or other apes rather right. to um to be infiltrating guerrilla warfare so to speak right uh, right right spec ops yeah yeah and i said and, and i jumped in, i was like ooh, 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 he should have like seven other brothers in 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 the unit and he, he stops saying, he, he does have there are seven others i'm like oh is the unit called the prime eight and and he's like no i was like Wasted opportunity. <laughs> Seriously? Oh my god! <laughs> you, you Dude, that, 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 that's going to just f fell into his lap. Yeah, uh, but you know the El, El Crudo's like he's in Vietnam, and sometimes he's leaning against a tree smoking something. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so the guy got to take the edge off somehow. Yeah, but it's, he's just like a, a Vietnam soldier. He just happened to be an orangutan. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Yeah, the, sometimes I get a little confusion over uh, people are like six gun gorilla. What he has six guns? It's like no, uh, guns were referred to as uh, six guns because they had six chambers. Yes, and a kind of cult peacemaker 
That, that's why Jimmy Stewart was the six shooter. Right, right. Like this is uh, this is just a model, non-firing. Yes, Pop Culture Avenger. There will be back issues available on a new campaign. Yes, you're going to be able to get the uh, the uh, entire series. Let me see. I'm a little bit rusty. Oh, look at this. Look at him go. Bang, there goes a the toe. <laughs> well, that's why um, in the Old West, they generally only loaded five bullets. And had, had the, um, the empty chamber right where the hammer is. Because sometimes you could get this caught on something and it would just come down and bang. <laughs> Blow your toe off or something. Uh, but yeah, that's why they're called six guns is because they fire six bullets. Yeah, that's uh, well, and I almost said he carried six guns earlier because I was just like stumbling over my words. I thought I knew. No, that. that's all good. That's all good. Yeah, no worries, man. No, no worries. You know, so he's but... in the old west, but this uh, this image here, this is more along the lines of like um, like a heavy metal cover. Yeah, uh, where he's he's definitely in a future alien setting. Is that uh, part of the story, or is that just like you know concept art that's going to be a special variant cover uh i never liked the idea of doing variant covers because it seemed to me like double dipping at the same time the backers want variant covers yeah and so what happened with preston was he was he was going to uh paint the uh cover for this issue and i'm the kind of guy where you know, if you're working with a really great artist, well, if you're working, you know, if you're just working with an artist that's competent, and Preston, of course, is just absolutely inc incredible. He's somebody whose talent is continually growing. He's getting now to like a Simon Bisley level, uh, you know, um, very uh, Frazetta-like. And I was like, well, what do you want to do, right? Because I could come up with some ideas for the cover i've got a bunch of them that haven't been used yet but what do you feel like doing because i always want to make sure that the artist that i'm working with is happy and that they're passionate about what they're doing that it's not something that they're just going to phone in because the comic's going to be that much better uh but yeah i'm giving you the long version of the story basically somebody uh th th this cover is 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 uh a parody of the cover to the single version of Stranger in a Strange Land by Iron Maiden. Yes, the one with the Batman on the corner and the Doctor Who corn thing on the corner and I think so. the yeah. Easter eggs all over the place. Yes. Yeah. And uh, this is also loaded with Easter eggs. As a matter of fact, you can see Lit Devil all the way on the left. I do see him there. There's Preston in the middle right there as... Uh, Nikki the Pipe, uh, a character from his uh, book Rockabilly Road Trip. And then I'm like right there and I'm pissed off and annoyed at him because I'm just like sitting there with a priest's collar. And it's just like, dude, you put me in there and I'm not like, you know, puffing on a cigar, slugging whiskey, you know, with like a show, you know, like a can-can girl in my lap and twirling a siski on. It's just like, nope. you can make me look cool. It's just like, oh, F you, buddy. But um, it turned out beautiful. And, but I panicked a little bit because I was like, oh no, people are going to think that this is a science fiction book. And he was like, no, relax. This is the eighth issue. People know that it's not a science fiction book. People know by now. Right. Yeah. But, I even see a, an Umbrella Company Corporation logo here next to the words tug. Yes. Yeah. Uh, there's, yeah, you can see um, uh, there's all all kind, there's mad crazy uh, uh, Easter eggs. Oh, there's the Laughing Man. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, yeah. I, I'm buying it just for this cover now. Uh, right. I'm going to have fun with this. Oh, man. And, and what inspired him to do this was there was somebody who shall not be mentioned who is a uh, like a high-ranking CG member who was like, yeah, dude, you like like that cover, that painting, yeah, you could never do that. <laughs> and Preston's one of those dudes where it's just like, oh, you want him to do something? Tell him that he can't. Yeah. <laughs> and so he just knocked it out of the park with this thing. 
And, uh, you know, and of course I was like, I went into panic mode a little bit, but then it was like, no, 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 just, you know, do what you like. And he was like, okay, tell you what, I'm going to do another cover that's going to be like what you thought it was going to be, which is uh, the same scenario, but set in the Old West. There you go. Like period correct. Right? I'm like, you know, there will never be a second issue of... um... Doc Salem, because Preston's never going to be able to stop doing varying covers for everybody else. <laughs> no, there is. There is. And uh, right now I am uh, currently writing the second half of the script for the Doc Salem, uh, the Blood Hunt Doc Salem crossover. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, Sim, Simon, uh, Poitier, and uh, Preston were like, okay, it's like our books. It's like one is about a vampire assassin. The other one's about a reformed uh, Victor Frankenstein who's become a monster hunter. It writes itself. Yeah. Well, I, I told Preston, I, I'd love to see him get together with Von Klaus and have, you know, uh, somebody who hunts monsters up against somebody who heals monsters. Right. So, uh, like, Monster MD's, like, pulling Doc Salem's bullets out of, like, some werewolf's ass. Yes, exactly. Like, oh god that's it. genius i've got to stop whoever's killing the monsters right 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 <laughs> right i've got to kill whoever's keeping these things alive yeah so, so uh, they like my writing and they invited me aboard and it, it's 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 just been a blast because they're just like fun dudes that uh you know that are like great to work with and so it's like we're t- they've, they've sort of taken their um sandboxes and put them together and invited me to come and play in that sandbox and uh, i am most appreciative we have we have one more easter egg here that we think we may have found uh before i've got to sign off because i have to uh i've got another show that i'm four minutes late for oh how could you (laughs) how could you how could you do that to me this is me you know (laughs) i I should just send him the link to this show and say come in here and talk with us no no it's all good dude it's all good i i I appreciate you having me on i'm I'm sorry if if we've gone ot i have a tendency to ramble i almost never go two shows back to back without putting an hour in between them oh Uh, god yeah and i put these back to back and i'm like i might have should have maybe not done that but uh, (laughs) and and, you know because because there's there's always a risk of you know having like about 20 minutes worth of conversation and then you just kind of like fumble your way through it. And then there's the risk of like, you know, we could go on for another hour. No problem. I know. Well, I could. Well, we'll have you back so we can do that. Um, well, thanks, dude. Thanks. This this has definitely been fun. And uh, Heronberg says, I'm seeing AT in the lower right corner. Um, Like, I don't know. I'm sure that that's an Easter egg. I don't know what, what it's in reference to. Well, he didn't know if it was short for the AAT. Um which is oh that that that's um ass ass titty um oh <laughs> i figured it would be something filthy <laughs> yes yeah yeah that's uh yeah, that, that's frag that's fraga it's funny i went i went dollar comic shopping uh a couple weeks ago and i i say it's no longer ncbd for me it's it's dcbd i hit the dollar bins on wednesday and i was oh, showing yeah. what i bought and i was like had this thing called storm child i'm like i have no idea what storm child is it came out in the 90s and I had a guest on. I was like, I'm opening it facing me. And I'm taking it out. And I pulled out like this. He's like, Frega! I'm like, how can you tell by the back cover? that? And the back cover was an original Black Flag advertisement. Oh, wow. <laughs> it was on the back of this. And it oh, turned man. out that War Child was a, Don, uh, a Rob Liefeld uh, deal. Because, you know, he was creating things, you know, by basically rolling Scrabble tiles out all the time. <laughs> yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. <laughs> but that's the thing. that 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 is... Something that one of the reasons why we gotta hope that our LLCs survive is that special experience of going in and just stumbling across something that you had, you know, that you'd never even uh, heard of. I, I have, yeah, I've started. That's one of the reasons why I hit the dollar bins now because I'll come back. I don't, I'll pick stuff that looks cool, but then I'll do a show and like, hey, look, I found stuff by Mike Barron. Hey, look, I found uh, some things that Mike S. Miller was doing the inks on for Malibu. Uh, and I'm showing, you know, all the things that, you know, all these creators were doing before. And so that's great. That's look what awesome, I found. man. Dude, I would I would love to keep talking with you about Six Gun Gorilla. But you got to uh, go. But I've got to go. Uh, you will be back, I certainly hope. Um, Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Once the uh, once the project launches, everybody watching, yeah. everybody in the chat, 
thank you thank you so much for your time we, we got to have we can go over tiers and and, and goals and uh watch some money come into this thing uh, so brian on the 12th that's that's two days be there two folks uh, sign up for the, yeah hit the link in the description here it'll take you right there and it'll just roll over to the actual campaign if you're watching it's on a replay late um folks in the chat appreciate you being here so much i always say we don't have a show without you showing up uh and that's as cool. always 